This is the Biz of Wealth. Challenges, rumblings, and evolution of the wealth management industry. Welcome to the Business of Wealth. Today I have a special interview that I'm very um, looking forward to because it's the first one that we're doing with two people at the same time. But these are two great guys. Um, Kurt Dubois and Steve Side. Um, I got to them because I found them hosting a podcast for financial advisors, which I found very interesting. And we'll dive into that later. But basically, they're both regional vice presidents at Touchstone Investment. Uh, Kurt is based in Atlanta and covers several states in the Southeast. And Steve is based in the Bay Area and manages the West Coast. They are co-hosts of The Cold Truth for Financial Professionals, which is a podcast focused on practice management for financial professionals. Well, guys, thank you for being here and welcome. Thank you. We appreciate it. So I'd like to start with a question that helps me introduce you guys in the best light possible, which is, what is the best compliment you have ever received? Yeah, I'll, I'll jump in and take this one, Kurt. You can you can add if you'd like. Uh, and I'll, I'll put this in a business context. Um, the, the, the best compliment that I receive these days is I've never met another wholesaler like you. So let me back up. We are, for your audience, um, we are in the asset management business. So what we do is we go and we market and sell investment products to financial professionals who then put together portfolios for end clients, so to speak. Very, very competitive business. It's a great business, uh, but very, very competitive. And, you know, me personally, um, when I took this job about seven years ago, I thought, you know, there's something different I could bring to it and unique. And our firm has gone down that path and said, hey, listen, we, we want to be different. In an industry where a lot is the same, we are choosing to be different. And so um, there's a lot of ways we've, um, you know, done that, uh, the podcast being one of them, which we'll get into. But when I go through and I do uh, my process uh, of interacting in my sales process and they say, wow, you know, I've never had this experience before. Uh, that really is what, you know, gets me excited. Kurt, did you want to add? I, I, I do because I, I had one recently that really took me back. So, uh, so same role as, as Steve, um, just a couple months ago, as the year was wrapping up, um, one of our clients was doing a client appreciation event. I was there and sat with his clients and, you know, had dinner and, and socialized. And at the end of it, I, I, I didn't know this. He said, you know, there's only two or three other people that I'd be comfortable sitting down with my clients. Um, and so just the level of trust that we've been able to garner over the probably three years that we've been working together, that means a lot, right? You have different types of business relationships in this world. And some, some are more almost transactional, like, like, what are you selling? What am I buying? Like done deal. But when you can get to that next layer and really connect with someone on a personal level, that's what really gives me, gets me excited. and gives me fulfillment in what we do. And that's also differentiation too, right? It's, I mean, I think we both kind of get, fired up by that same, like, Hey, you know, there's a lot of people that, that vie for these financial professionals time. And if we stand out amongst the crowd, we're doing our job. Well, actually that, that is actually one of the things that I was thinking while you were speaking, Steve, you mentioned 
your sales process, you know, how, yeah. how different it is your sales process. And that's something that I always struggle with my our clients for. A lot of my clients do have financial professionals as their target client. And vying for that time, vying for that attention is pretty difficult. Uh, they're bombarded every single day. So what's what's different? Why Why did you mention, hey, we do the sales process differently? What we basically made the... So here's how we think about it. The investment side of our equation, we think is exceptional, but that alone does not, you know, separate you. There's a lot of good investment firms out there. So the what the path that we've gone down is really try to help them holistically with their business. And there's a lot of other, you know, people that will say that, but what we tried to do is do that part um, more in depth and more authentic. And when I say authentic. I mean, we're not there just to cram products down their throat. Like, okay, we helped you with something. Now you owe us this. It really is coming from a place that's fundamentally trying to trying to help them. Um, in the case of financial professionals, um, a lot of them, you know, they're, they're entrepreneurs, they own their own business, but that's not necessarily what they got in the business for to be a CEO per se. And so if we can sort of help them run their business, help them with key problems, um, it, it, it's a different kind of relationship. And, and as I mentioned before, there's a lot of folks that say they want to do that, but they don't do it. And we do it in a much more in-depth way, in a much more authentic way. Kurt, does that make sense to you? I think, I think, I think that's the way I would explain it. Yeah. And I, the only thing I would add is I approached this, I think of the golden rule a lot. I think like we kind of have this expertise it's not for everybody, and that's okay to know that. But for those people that resonate with our story and how we do things, it's impactful. And so why wouldn't you help make their business better if you were given the opportunity to? So, um, you know, if I, I just try to think, I put the shoe on the other foot. If, if I'm a financial professional getting a call from a, from a guy like me, um, I try to be worthy of that time and give them something that's differentiated, but also something that will help them out at the end of the day. So those financial professionals, what is the most common problem you see them facing every day when you talk to them? <laughs> How long you got? Um, <laughs> not, not uh, very few interactions are the same. Some of them, I guess they have some similarities, but you know, we, there's just so many seismic shifts happening and we're at varying degrees of, of that completion. So you know, the business is moving from brokerage to advisory. Um, we talk a fair bit about that. People are at their own different paths on that. We talk a lot about, you know, when we talk about running a business, so we talk about segmenting clients, attaching a service model, creating a matrix of service for those clients to, to try to deliver exceptional care. Um, those are not new concepts, but I'm not sure that they are fully adopted by the folks that we serve. So, uh, there's an opportunity for us. So uh, a lot of the interactions, they're, they're just around business. You know, how can we drive revenue? How can top line or bottom line? How can bring, bring on new clients? Um, it's just normal business types of conversations. But uh, to, to Side's point earlier, you know, a lot of folks didn't sign up to be CEOs or didn't even think of themselves as entrepreneurs when they started in this business 20, 30 years ago. They were salespeople. And they were good salespeople. So I think part of our niche is filling that gap of people realizing, like, I don't need to be a CEO per se, but I do need to work on my business, not just in the business. business and yeah. so we help service that gap. 
That's a very common problem with uh, service-based companies that are started by founder. That that even I even uh, go through that all the time. Like you have to convert from in your business to on your business. When you have these conversations, what is the what is the one number one question that you always wish they were they would ask more often? That's a really good question because I I tend to be the question asker. I'm I'm always trying to, to pull out. Yeah, I don't know. What do you think, Steve? I think the question I, that I that let me think about this for a second. You wished you were asked more often. Yeah. I, I, I think it's like I think it's um the question is is from the what to the how. So I wish they were asked, like, how do we actually do something as opposed to what do we want to achieve? Because that's, to me, like, that's what our secret sauce has kind of been. So we end up getting there. But people, you know, they're in this business. They're busy people. They've got these challenges they want to address or these opportunities that they want to address. And everyone's fired up and we can lay that up in front of them and say, okay, here's what you need to do here, the whatever. But um, but then so, so often you know, they go back to their business and the phone starts ringing and the best intentions don't turn into action. And so the people that, you know, ask like, well, how do we do it? And really the step, the, the, the execution, the specific, how do I take the first step and really get into that type of question with us? Um, I, I wish I was, I was asked that more. Um, now we're going to get there anyway, because there's no way that Kurt or I or our firm are going to come in and try to help you. And you're not going to hear about or have a discussion about execution, but um, but that really is the, the, you know, I think the secret sauce. Good. So um, I haven't found many people like you podcasting. So how how did you guys get started? What 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 drove this? Yeah. Well, so first of all, let me just say we're we're really fortunate. Um, Kirk can attest to this. Like our other wholesaler friends, see that we've started the podcast, and they're like, kind of, how did you how did you pull that off? Because I, I think at most firms, we probably would not able to pull it off. But as I said before, um, our firm really is trying to be different and is investing in that whole practice management, business consulting, uh, value add space. And so, you know, we just, we, we pitched it. We're all, by the way, we're also, we're a very fast growing firm. Uh, we're 40 billion. We've, we've doubled in the past three years, which a lot of firms in our industry cannot say. Um, but we're not like this big behemoth of a firm. We're still in like in our growth phase. And um, so with, with that background, Kurt and I basically just started talking about it and saying, this would be an interesting medium. And I'm happy to comment on why, and you know, why we decided to do it, but it was about, you know, just going and pitching the CEO and saying, Hey, listen, you know, we, uh, we have this idea for this medium. Um, what do you think? And I, and I, and I remember, I remember this, like we, we booked time with our CEO. Uh, it was our national sales meeting. We had this 10 minute side session with him. We sat down, it was our president, our CEO, it was our head of marketing, and we had this whole thing prepared of going into, you know, this is what we want to do, this is the podcast. And what was it, Kurt, within like maybe like 20 seconds? He's like, do it. You know, it was just like that quick. And uh, anyway, that's how we got started. I'm happy to talk about why. And, and, and Yeah, well, most people, oh, no, the, the, most people in your situation will say, oh, this takes too much time. I'm not going to do it. Well, we have a benefit there, but a side story. Um, S-I-D-E, not S-E-I-D. Um, <laughs> we, we had actually recorded a, an episode. And so mostly side, but, but we, we figured out like, 
how do we record this? How do we edit? We added music to it. It was rough and it was awful, but we wanted to have a tangible product ready to pitch to the president, thinking that we would need that. And so when in 30 seconds, he basically gave us the green light, it's like, okay, well, we didn't need to do all that, but it was a good learning experience. Yeah. Um, and, and now uh, we're, we're also fortunate in that the company supports us like, with resources and like, we don't do any of the editing. We, we really, we come up with the ideas, we contact the, the, the guests, we go through, we do our due diligence. Um, so we're doing the heavy lifting for the show, but when it comes to the, the hard technical skills of actually delivering a podcast, we don't have to get involved with that, which is, which is nice. Do you want me to answer your question on like yeah, why? I'm, go ahead. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, um, first of all, it's Kurt and, you know, it's funny, we're doing this Colby assessment now, if you ever heard uh, KO, what is it? K-O-L-B-E? Did I spell that right? Colby. Yeah. So it basically right. says, how, how do you work? Um, and there's these different elements. And what Kurt and I found is, although we're very different people, we have a lot of like in terms of how we work. And one of those is like, we're, we're this thing called quick starter, which we have these ideas and we want to go do them. And so, you know, um, I think for us, it always comes back to um, a point of, you know, differentiation. Like I've used that term about five times. No one else is doing this. Okay, cool. Like, let's see if we can do it and be different. And so for us, it's, it's, yes, it's time, but it's also time that I, I would have been spending doing research and building my skill set anyway. So financial advisor, I sit down with them in a meeting, financial professional, I should say now. And they say, oh, Steve, you know, I'm struggling with you know, I have too many investments across the book, or I'm having trouble managing uh, the next generation, uh, like Gen X's and Gen Z's and general and all those and those things. Um, and not Gen X's, but you know, millennials and, and Gen Z's. Um, you know, can you help me with this? Or I'm having trouble planning. Like what used to happen is I would go back and and if I didn't have the expertise, just research like crazy, pick up books and go on the internet and just sort of like get that expertise. Well, now, you know, I'm doing that work. So why not then be able to take a medium like a podcast and then share that? And what's been amazing about it in terms of, of where we're headed and you're, you're a testament to it is now we're not only doing the research on our own, but we're interacting with the experts right? We had you on because you're a marketing expert and you could talk to us about client journeys. I don't know anything about client journeys. So anyways, it's it's work we would have done anyway. And now we get this, this incredibly powerful medium uh, that, that differentiates us. I, I mean, I'm just, I'm, I'm giddy over it. I'm, I'm just thrilled that we, we got it off the ground and 36 episodes in, people are listening to it. And uh, uh, anyway, I hope that answers your question. It does. So, well, through all these interviews, you've been focusing on practice management. So yeah. you take that into your conversations with your clients or your prospects. And where do you see the industry going? Who do you think is going to you know, be successful? Who do you think is going to fail based on all these research you've been doing and what you've seen in the market? Yeah, I, I'll jump in there, Kurt, and please add on uh, just because I'm I have a clear answer to this. I think the industry is headed to a place where you better be delivering an exceptional level of service. Um, you you got to do well in the basics, uh, you know, the, the financial planning, the investments. Um, but I think the folks that we're seeing exceed right now are those that can deliver an exceptional level of service. And that's high level. There's a lot to talk about there. Um, but I just can say from the financial professionals that I work with that are doing that really well. Uh, getting into their clients' lives, um, you know, it, again, there's a lot to talk about there. But 
they're not worried about fee compression. They're not worried when the market goes down that their clients are going to run out the door. Um, they just don't have that worry. And, um, you know, I don't know, Kurt, you, I don't know if you'd add anything to that. Well, I'm not sure what, which specific industry, but, I, but for the clients that we serve, I, I think that's the answer. But then there's the asset management side. And I, I yeah. think you already touched on it. There's consolidation in our business. There's fee compression in our business too. So it's asset managers that have a distinctive brand, a distinctive message that are just different. Uh, and that can show that that differentiation. Those are going to be the winners in the future. And I, I'll add one more thing. There's, there's, you know, you always see these articles out there about, you know, um, oh, robo advisors are going to come in, you know, on the financial professional side or, you know, on our side, like, oh, it's just all moving towards passive. Like it, there's some of that, but that's completely overdone. And, and, you know, most of that are just like sensational articles. And if you, you know, are an asset manager that does a really good job um, and then can bring some additional value, as Kurt said, if you're a financial professional that just, you know, provides a level of service that a robo can't, I mean, it's just, it's, there's only so far that pendulum swing and our industry is still a great one. So I'm all about scalability. And when you talk about level of service, the tradition, my, my traditional mind goes into, Hey, and, you know, I have my, um, my clients on my WhatsApp or, or my text message. And I'm like one-on-one on them all the time. I, I go to the, you know, to the holidays of, uh, or I, I share holidays. I share birthday parties of the kids, you know, that's the type of close relationship traditionally we've seen. Um, you don't scale that. So how, how do you grow? Well, we, um, we think about that a lot uh, because that's the easiest, you know, so of all of the shoes to drop in scalability, service is kind of the easiest one. It's like, oh, I, you know, they called, I'll, I'll get back to it when I can, or I'm not proactive, I'm just reactive to client needs. Um, that's, that's an easy trap to fall into. And, and we have an exercise actually, where we try to mathematically show people, you don't have time to service all these. You're telling me what service you want to deliver. It's, it's physically impossible to do it. And so we have an exercise where we, we walk through people, walk through that with people because it's such a, it's, it's one of those cognitive dissonance things Like people think they're offering this great thing, but when you show it on paper, it's not actually true. And, um, I think when you talk about there's there's plenty of ways ways you can scale um, the, the clients that we serve, but service tends to be the one that gets um, ignored the quickest and easiest. And and we talked about you know practice management before, and we've gone out and we've done these meetings with financial professionals now, having these types of conversations for a long time. And so, although to Kurt's point, there's different problems. There's also some common ones, and one of the commons in our industry is. You have way too many households that you need that you're going to service. Um, and so what's the answer to that? The answer is that is, OK, we, we keep your clients um, and build out your team and capacity to service. You can do that um, or you can you can cut your clients. And what we see is that a lot of uh, financial professionals are holding on to clients that are really not moving the needle for them. Um, and so we kind of suggest, hey, you should you should rethink this. But. Um, the question, like, what does this ultimately come back to? Like what we're seeing clients grow, like what are the financial professionals that are really growing? They're, they're growing through, you know, doing a really great job for current clients. Like, yeah, there's new client acquisition strategies, but so many of them are doing it by just like 
really doing a, a wonderful job. And you just can't do that with 300 households per FA. You can't do it. So um, this is not a new concept. There was um, there was a book written in the 80s, I think it was, called Supernova at Merrill Lynch that was just basically like, you know, you got to shrink to grow. Um, so it's not a new concept. And it's one that that, that we talk about a lot because it's just, you know, your point of scalability is is right on. What's that? What's that magic number then? Uh, boy, I, I I would say 150 on the upper end, and you're really pushing it. You know, um, it depends on the complexity of the household and you know the demographic that you serve. But uh, really, it should be kind of an 80 to 150. And if the, the households have complex needs, more towards the 80 to 100. If they're more simple needs, you could probably do 125, 150. Okay. There's also uh, there's a misconception uh, with financial professionals that that growth because we talk a lot about growth uh, comes externally, right? It's it's client acquisition, and so a good chunk of our work is persuading with data, so it's pretty uh, pretty conclusive that that you can grow from within. So more profitable relationships, like size talking about, but also so we had a, a guest on our on our show that um, works with referrals and, and client experience. And she talks about something, the, re- the referral gap. And so the gap between how many people are actually referring versus how many a financial professional thinks that they are being referred. And so I would argue you, you don't need to go up. You don't need an overly aggressive client acquisition strategies. You just got to do a better job of cultivating the referrals you're getting that you don't even know about. And so there's tons of let's call them internal mechanisms for growth that don't require you doing seminars or, or even podcasting or blogging. We love that stuff. I think that those are great client acquisition strategies, but there's also tons of tools to grow internally that people just uh, oftentimes overlook. Yeah. That's, that's part of the analysis of the customer journey that we were talking about that it's about checking, you know, where is it that you're, um, the, that the easiest and cheapest acquisition cost is. That is most of the time it's not at lead acquisition, but on the on the rest of the journey. What has changed, you know, with, with I hate the, this question, but at the same time, I think that a lot has changed with the pandemic and the process in which we not, o- not only acquire clients, but service them. Well, for you guys, what has been the like the biggest change you've seen and the biggest adaptation you've had to make? Well, so early early on, it was kind of all hands on deck. Let's over communicate on the investment side. What's going on with the strategies? And there was some value to be had there for sure. Um, I think where we've settled two years into this now is is just the adoption of technology. I, I just I, I can't overstress the um, you know, if you look at the demographics for, for the folks that we serve, um, they tend to be on, on the older side and technology, they haven't always been comfortable with technology, but, but now hopping on a WebEx, hopping on a Zoom and, and talking about whatever you're talking about to include the investment side, to include the practice management stuff, everyone's comfortable with technology. So it's a constant struggle for us now trying to figure out, well, are we going back in person or, or we're sort of living in this hybrid world, but uh it's a world that was was forced upon us, but the the adoption has been way higher than it would have been otherwise had, had a pandemic not happened. Yeah, I, I would just add in, I mean, it used to be before the pandemic, um, 
I would feel that I was, if I did a meeting like, you know, virtual meeting or Zoom meeting with, with a prospect or a client, I'd almost feel a little bit bad about it because it's like, oh, what, you're not going to come to see me? And now it's so normal that, um, you know, really our time is we can, we can do a lot more with our time. You know, um, a big territories, I cover half the state of California. It used to be, hey, I've got an opportunity across the, across the state, you know, five, six hours away. Well, you got to get in the car and go. And that's, that's a whole day lost. You know, uh, you can do stuff in the car, but not to that degree. But but now it's normal. So, um, you know, are we, are we burning out more too with that, you know, in that case? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think, I think that's, that's a big challenge. It's harder, like, to, it's harder to take it slowly, slower. At least that's yes. my case. It's harder to really say, hey, no, instead of having back-to-back -back Zoom meetings all day, I'll have, you know, three or four, which you could say in person, and it would be a perfectly productive day. But now you feel exactly. bad about it. It's a great point. And it's also a point that when your office is like five steps away and keeping your home life uh, separate, I think is an important thing to do. And we're seeing our clients uh you know, struggle to figure that out. But I think you do have to kind of, you, you've got to kind of create that wall. For me, that wall's easy. I've got a two-year-old. So there's just, you know, when I'm with her, there, there's no, there, there's not going to be any getting done. But for a lot of other people, it's hard. You know, you're always kind of drawn to the computer. And um, I think it's a great point. You made. Definitely. Okay, we're going to finish with a couple of like lighter questions. What is your favorite word? Well, Kurt, Tell, Kurt will tell, and I'll, I'll just say <laughs> okay, for what Kurt wait, would wait, say. Wait, 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 wait. We're going to uh, do the other way. You yeah. have to guess Kurt's yeah. favorite word, and Steve, ha you know, and the other way well, around. Kurt's going to get mine. Uh, all right, yeah, Kurt. I, I got the easier job there. Yeah. Besides <laughs> all about process. So anything that talks about process or frame, framework might be better. His $64,000 word. He Anything with a framework. <laughs> yeah, that's... Uh, That's funny. Yeah, that that's I, I think if Kurt's favorite word would have to be something Cajun, something uh something down from Louisiana. Um he, we have a thing on our podcast. We have a thing on our podcast where it's uh, you know, he teaches me Cajun. So uh, you know, it's one of those fun segments. But I don't know, Kurt, what is your favorite word? Am I right? Is it Cajun? Uh I could probably I, I mean with you stumping you because you have like you're you're Cajun illiterate, um it'd probably be a Cajun <laughs> word for sure. Yeah. Yeah, we play this game where I just say a word and he's got to spell it and then use it in a sentence. <laughs> I, haven't got, I don't think I got. I don't think I got any. Like spelling right. bee. I love spelling yeah. bee. It's I basically a way to, me, to make me look stupid. Yeah. <laughs> okay, and if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be? Uh, so I, you know, this is going to get outside of business just for personal. I uh, yeah, go ahead. And I do a lot of uh, philanthropic work around uh, animal rescue, and so if I if I had a billboard, what I'd have is the 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 supply of of pets in the shelter, and the demand of people buying pets, and if we could match those up and you know basically reduce the amount of of, of um, you know animals in shelters, animals being euthanized, I, to me it's a very simple math problem, and if we could solve that, and that's what I'd put on a billboard. Wait, sorry. There is no way. There is no online platform for that. I I haven't seen it. I mean, there's definitely like a um, you know there there's there's organizations that have that have popped up that try to match the demand everywhere. There's a, a site called Pet Finder. So if you 
that basically aggregates all you know the shelter animals. So, for example, the, the thing that I hear from folks that want, oh, I want this type of dog, right? So, okay, great. But it, no matter what it is, you don't have to pay three thousand dollars for it. You can find a, that type of dog somewhere in the country and match that up. So there's that. But I have to this point not seen you know something at the national level that that matches that because if, again, if we just there's demand for pets. We love we love our dogs. We love our cats. We love our animals. And if we could just sort of harness that demand um, and, and sort of match that up, uh, I think I think man, what a that's big step! Your next, that's your next. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> How about took you? us off a different route, but you asked me. Oh, that's good. That's, that's good. Make, yeah. You know, we are a wholesome person. We cannot like segment ourselves and bring your whole your whole self into work for me um, has always been my thing, but also after the pandemic, even more, like we're all, you know, I think that you bring so much more to the table when you are your whole self at work. I really enjoyed, you were on our show, I was just editing it and you were talking about, um, you know, starting your firm and doing an exercise where you got to uncover, you know, who you are at a deep level. And you made the comment, which is near and dear. You're like, I'm going to swear in my business. And because it's too much energy not to swear. And I, at that point, I just knew I loved you. I, loved you. <laughs> That's okay. I knew that we were going to be great friends after that. So Kurt, tell me your billboard and we'll close with that. Yeah. So my bill. So, um, I'll only get halfway personal because it's a way longer story, but there's, there's an image that I have in my head that's, uh, it, a lot of things going on, but the image is of a toucan, the, the bird, um, <laughs> with the phrase "pura vida." Uh, oh, from Costa Rica, yes. I started learning Spanish at uh, a time where there's a lot, a lot of things going on in my life. Um, my wife and I, our honeymoon was in Costa Rica, and I just think. I'm, I'm just imagining a billboard of my life and what I want it to be and how I try to live my life. I, I want to be fulfilled, do meaningful stuff, but have fun doing it. And Pura Vida and that little stinking toucan just <laughs> represents that. Beautiful. That was, was on my billboard. So if we speak next year, maybe we find you living in Costa Rica. Puede ser. Puede ser. Guys, it's been so much fun. Thank you so much for being here. And I hope we get to do... Many more stuff together. I think we should. Thank you so much. Really appreciate it. Likewise, this is great, Alejandro. Thank you.